0: Hello, and welcome to At the Forefront, FinTech Conversations. I'm Michael Kingsley, a Senior Vice President at Forefront Communications. We're a specialized marketing and PR firm focused on the capital markets and institutional FinTech sectors. Our guests today are the co-founders of our client, CausalityLink, which is an advanced AI-driven financial information technology provider. Pierre Haran is the Chief Executive Officer, and Eric Jensen is the Chief Technology Officer. Hi, Pierre. Hi, Eric. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. All right, let's jump right into it. Pierre, what are causal links?
1: Well, Michael, causal links are explanations given by people about the relationship between two elements of life. So if I take, for example, a Morgan Stanley statement, a few years ago that was saying that every 5% increase of the sales of Ford F-150 would translate in the same quarter by a 10% increase of the profit of Ford. You see that this is a statement that is linking the sales of the best-selling truck Ford F-150 of Ford to its uh, profit in the same quarter. And these uh, two elements, the sales of uh, Ford F-150 and the profit of Ford, are linked through some numbers uh, that would be called an elasticity, so that there is basically twice the percentage of uh, growth of uh, profit than the growth of the sales of the Ford. So that's the type of causal links that we are extracting from text and that correspond to uh, a very common way of stating relationships, why relationships in finance.
0: That's great. And because you chose a a business and finance example, I I suspect many of our listeners are getting ahead of ourselves in figuring this out. But I still want to ask you, how did you come to found a company that focuses on these causal links?
1: (laughs) It was a long path. I I was introduced to AI in the late 70s at MIT when I was doing my PhD. Then I created a company uh, in that space called iLog in France, And by 2000, we were one of the first AI companies that had reached a valuation of over a billion dollars. We sold the company in 2008 to IBM. And after I joined IBM, there was the arrival of Watson and a really amazing surge of excitement about artificial intelligence. And so I was happy inside IBM, but longed for startup life. And over some margaritas, I discussed with Eric, who is the best software architect I've ever met. And we decided to create this company together. That's great. And
0: this is a great chance to flip it over to Eric. And let's hear a little bit about your background and how you got to Causality Link and to the margaritas.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, how we got to the margaritas, there's probably some place we were lost in Mexico. But uh, how I got started in causality link is that I had been working in ed tech. Really, my first career was working on trying to build software as a service solutions for for teachers and for principals across the U.S. And so I was I was traveling a lot and trying to build an architecture that could really scale up and securely deliver services to tens of thousands, or in fact, millions of, of educators. And you'd be surprised that a lot of those lessons learned actually were applicable to our our current journey and that we really wanted to be ambitious in the quantity of information we would consume at Causality Link. And and in the background, I've really been an, an investor my whole life. And so being able to to take that that kind of uh, hobby, if you will, and, and apply it professionally was, was too good to pass up, especially with an amazing and inspiring leader like Pierre. And so I just had the sense as an investor that there had to be a better way to connect people to relevant content. And I was a little frustrated in my my morning reading of what was going on that too often the, the news flow and the information going by was either not really specific enough to me, or there was just a kind of a void of information about what was going on with the equities that I cared about. And when Pierre described causal links and this explanatory power, we early on kind of had this sense that we could leverage those to make in fact that connection much more powerful.
0: That's great. And when you two meet and found the company found causality, like what year are we talking about? We started in 2016, 2016. So we're at five years now. Pierre, what's the current state of play for AI and data in finance? Things things have shifted over the past few years, haven't they?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we were lucky in the sense that many of the massive changes that have happened in the past five years have been uh, rather positive for our endeavor. So when you look at, you know, the changes in the world have been both in the physical world and in the digital uh, world. So in the physical world, we have become more and more interconnected. You know, Recently, I was really amazed to see that you had some Chinese efforts to reduce the generation of electricity through coal-fired power plants ended up reducing the smelter capabilities uh, to generate magnesium. Magnesium is essential to generate high-quality aluminum to make cars, and so we got a crisis that unfolded in three months across multiple parts in the world, which ended up with uh, Angela Merkel having to call the chairman of China to uh, beg for uh, more production of magnesium, which is frankly things that did not happen at that speed in the physical world uh, a few years ago. In the digital world, on the other side, there has been tremendous progress of distributed architecture with AWS, we're going to talk about uh, a little later, but also in the volume of data that is available for decision support, whether that data is structured data, whether it is text coming from all sorts of newspapers across the world that are uh, being published in real time. And so this massive amount of information on one side and the incredible speed at which things change in the physical world, which has, of course, an impact into uh, the financial performance of all these companies, has created a very strong need for a more real-time explanation of what's going on and tracking and explanation of what's going on.
0: We've seen a real progression also in the kinds of data that are available for for investors and decision makers, right? So, you know, Ten years ago, if we were doing this podcast, we'd be talking about satellite data or, or and then progressing to geolocation data and beyond. What is the point that we're at now in terms of, you've spoken about this to me, the volume of information that's coming in that suggests why your platform is needed?
1: Well... Indeed, a few years ago, the whole financial world was very aggressively trying to aggregate alternative data, that is data about the position of container ships in the world or oil tankers, and trying to infer through some coding the potential production, for example, of oil or transportation of goods between China and the U.S., What is interesting is that these data are fluctuating very rapidly, and so they are needed permanently. But what is a little more of an invariant is the why, that is, is the relationship between the demand and prices, or as we showed, between sales and profits, and extracting not only data from the world through all these sensors, but also through natural language processing, Reading all these texts that explain the why is enabling the creation not only of the signal, which is all this data that are fluctuating so rapidly, but also a model which is a much more slowly varying invariant, and that enables a better understanding and explanation and potentially forecast of the forces acting in the financial market and their impact.
0: And now, Eric, I imagine the technology has progressed to such a point that that what Pierre is describing was just not possible a few years ago. So can you sort of take us through that about how intelligence and knowledge are being extracted from the data by the new technology you're employing?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Michael. I think that we really are surfing on the latest technology trends. And in fact, some of the problems we're solving today with our newest release in version three themselves, we couldn't elegantly solve five years ago when we began. And so, for instance, everything that Pierre is describing around the actual data itself is really what we call the signal. That is, people are really racing to understand what's going on with with, with the numbers. Are the numbers increasing? Are they decreasing? Is the supply of oil surprisingly higher than expected? But there's really not so many folks that are really understanding the consequences from a programmatic point of view and the reason for that is that when you're when you're a human analyst when you're trying to make decisions on your own you don't necessarily need the machine to inform you about those things that maybe are considered obvious, but when you start to scale up to tens of thousands of data streams and all of their fluctuations, it's really essential at that stage to be able to propagate those consequences, to be able to understand what were the driving factors historically? Are they behaving rationally at this point in time? And when you get some piece of news that says, oh my gosh, you know, the supply is higher, it's not so much to necessarily just make a trade about the price of oil, which is going to most likely respond to that very quickly and very efficiently but it's those downstream consequences it's the oil which which then impacts the automotive sector which then impacts consumer discretionary trends which then impacts travel and leisure for instance those are the kinds of things we're trying to model and successfully propagate through our network and so to pull all of that off we needed to have a universal data model that could accurately describe all of these things people are measuring in a way that is, of comparable and can be aggregated through some intelligence. We, we spend a lot of time in our ontology modeling how these things are related to each other in terms of the KPIs so that we can understand similar topics. But then also we really create this causal graph, this, this causal model behind the scenes that is taking each of those very elementary statements where people are saying this impacted that, and then using them for basically augmenting the way we propagate consequences, the way we can actually say, well, everyone's talking about the stock price movements. Maybe in fact, it's just production and revenue that are the top drivers, according to this sampling across the entire world. Let's understand those and use those for our predictive capabilities rather than just wait until people make a prediction directly.
0: And can you give us a sense of the scope right now in terms of the number of languages, the number of documents that the, that the platform is looking at?
2: Yeah. So at this point, we've exceeded over 100 million articles in our corpus. This is this is global media and, and, and analysis and coverage, including some filings from the SEC and Edgar and things of that sort. We are translating 27 languages in real time. We're one of the biggest consumers of translation services at, at AWS. We have a distributed architecture that is able to consume those, translate them and get them into our corpus in an index state in less than a minute, really depending on how long those texts are. So if it's a earnings call transcript of 50 pages, it might take five minutes, but most of the news is, is a lot shorter and a lot more directed. And those really can turn around and be nearly real time. We often show in our platform how, you know, we're refreshing the page and every time we refresh it, there's 50 new articles that are being annotated within a matter of seconds.
0: Wow. It's it's really amazing. And to sort of wrap our heads around it a little bit more, Pierre, can, can you give us some examples of, or an example of how clients are using it? How do they interact with the platform? What are they using it to inform? How do they use it to make decisions?
1: Sure, Michael. So when a system like that exists, it really serves two major purposes. The first purpose is to aggregate. That's what uh, Eric has, uh, has given. And if you look into, for example, ESG is the ability to build ratings for different companies, depending on how they are performing on the different aspects of ESG. And the other important feature is the ability to use those causal chains in order to focus the attention of our users on very specific texts that they may not have been reading. So if I take a very simple example, uh, it was well known that the steel price uh, uh, was having an impact on the car industry. However, when the, the steel price went up in China after the announcement of the One Road, project, nobody really understood the consequences uh, for the, the car manufacturers in the US. And it took over a year for Ford and then General Motors to uh, to announce a reduction of their profit due to this steel price increase. And therefore, being able to very early on use the causal chain to propagate information and say, hey, you should be made aware that there has been a 50% increase in the price of steel because you are interested in Ford and General Motors stock price is, I think, the other aspect of what we can provide to our customers. So if I take a specific example, we have the largest fund manager in Europe called Amundi that has evaluated our system for a year and has decided to use it in order to help the management of their 800 billion euros of asset under management that are supposed to be following ESG principles and the reasons why they decided to use our technology was both the real-timeness that eric uh, described because in esg a lot of journalists are writing papers about uh, drought in uh, taiwan that will have an impact on the production of chips by tsmc which will have an impact on the production of cars by uh, volkswagen the ability to analyze text in depth about the more than 150 KPI we have, key performance indicators we have linked to ESG, whether they are human rights, uh, carbon sequestration, or generation. And after having analyzed quite a number of providers, they decided that we were having the best feed and that that feed would uh, enable them to serve their customer in the best way by having very rapid reactions to uh, changes in ESG situations of companies, as well as a better aggregated point of view in the ESG ratings of these companies than what the industrial standard is today, which is the MSCI index.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about ESG and and how your clients are, are using the platform to inform ESG. Now, you've said that it goes beyond ratings to sort of help investors make sense or add dimensions to how they understand ESG. Can you tell me a little bit about how it's different from ratings?
1: Sure. So, first of all, we have been working on ratings since day one of the company, but not in ESG. The regular financial data, such as revenue for a company, you have to be able to aggregate pieces of information that come from from different words like sales, uh, like orders. You know, so so basically, it's it's not so easy to aggregate a rating without a very powerful ontology, whether it's on profit for a company, revenue for a company or the ESG. So the first element is to create a very precise descriptions of the different parameters that are relevant to an ESG activity and then to an ESG rating. And the second part is to understand something that is much more complex. It is the interplay between your actions, the actions of the different companies in ESG and their financial impact for the company. So if somebody decides to uh, develop, like Tesla develops a new method to generate lithium without using water, it is important to understand that this is very positive for the usage of water, but also is there an additional cost that's involved in the price of the batteries? So these green batteries, will they be more expensive or less expensive? And so this understanding that we extract from text of the links between the elements of ESG activity and the elements of the m- standard financial measurements of the company are very essential because we all dream of a greener economy that's more profitable, and all these companies in the world have to do more with less. And tracking that requires the tracking of the causal links between the ESG activity and the regular economic activity uh, in both directions, by the way.
0: Now, Eric, can you explain to us how what causality link does in terms of explaining causal relationships is unique?
2: Well, I don't think that there's anybody else that are capturing these relationships in the way that we are. But beyond that, as Pierre mentioned, just being able to make your investment decisions with an alignment towards whether or not the consequences of those actions will be win-win or not can allow you to have an edge. So in other words, you may have a company that's perceived very positively in the media. We can measure that. We can measure the consensus about their traditional financials and where they're headed. But we can also measure the perception of their performance around ESG. And, and that's really important because it's going to come down to more than just those measurable, quantified you know, numbers around carbon emissions and things like that, that are oftentimes self-reported and Really, there's such a significant lag before they're reported and, and ingested by the traditional ratings agencies that it becomes very hard to be reactive. And so being able to identify each of these factors and to lean on the intelligence of humans collectively, who themselves are stating that because of this change, there will be an improvement in, in expenses and having our system be sophisticated enough to really understand that improvement in expenses means they're going down, which is something that traditional sentiment engines can't actually infer very well. Those things combined together really kind of sum up to that edge that, that otherwise you would be very hard pressed to find without being able to read 27 languages and, and 50 or 60,000 articles per day, which of course is far beyond the abilities of even a company with hundreds of analysts working on their behalf.
0: ESG is really a big part of the third generation platform you mentioned. So let's broaden it out a little bit more and can you tell us you announced the third generation of the Causality Link platform back in September. That's right. Can you tell us a little bit more about the features that have been added and and what Causality Link is now with these with these new functionalities?
2: Yeah, you bet. There's there's been a lot of incremental progress across many areas of our product that really come together into some interesting new capabilities. So within the NLP and, and, and our coverage, we've expanded the number of concepts that we recognize pretty substantially by about 10%. We've expanded the exchange rates that we recognize. We had a lot of interesting work we were doing in the last year with people in Europe, people in the Middle East, people in, in Singapore that were interested to really look beyond just the boundaries of, of the US for their investments. We had done some of that work obviously with our foreign languages but now we formally recognize the exchange rates across more than 70 currencies and we've gotten to the point that we now have more than doubled the number of stock exchanges and and the associated tickers that we recognize so at this point we're up to 185 exchanges these are all you know primary operating exchanges across the world one of the other things that we did as part of this version 3 was we knew we had to expand our geographies and before we had really focused on the US in terms of getting down to the, the lower level of things like cities. We imported more than a thousand uh, cities and we now recognize, I think everywhere that has a population of more than 300,000. And of course there's a lot of smaller entities as well, but that gives you a sense of, of how our system can now, you know, really understand when people are talking about some of these events that are occurring in factories in China, for instance, we, we know more than just China, but the specific location. With all of that expansion and all of that understanding, we've made some small changes to how our model works. So, for instance, in version two of our system, we, we were looking at the way that indicators were changing and could have an effect on either other indicators or events. But we didn't really understand how to model that events themselves could have an influence on indicators. So a really a simple example is, you know, what are the KPIs that are going to be affected in companies in the UK as a consequence of Brexit? So this is a kind of subtle change, but now we have this causal graph that's modeling the interplay between those two things bidirectionally.
0: Pierre, I know you, you're particularly excited about the new alert functionality, the alerts uh, that are built into the third generation of the platform. Can you tell us about why that's so important for clients?
1: Sure, that's kind of linked to the second advantage that we provide to our customers, which is the focus, right? Which is how can we make sure that out of the 50,000 plus texts we receive every day in 27 languages, we pinpoint what is relevant to our different customers and we make sure that they read the 10 texts that are essential in that case. And so we have done that in two steps. The first step is to use what we call portfolio, which is fundamentally a list of companies, countries, or industries that our customers are interested in and our customers can have as many portfolios as they want. And then we use this portfolio to filter the uh, information that's relevant for our customers, but there was still too much information. So we have uh, invented a second concept, which is the concept of novelty, which is conceptual novelty. It's basically the frequency at which uh, a key performance indicator uh, with its descriptors has been mentioned in the past versus the past two days or one day. And this then surfaces first new ideas or things that have not been talked about in the past. And that is usually way more relevant to staying up to date on what is happening for a company, an industry, or country than having just, you know, what are the descriptions that have been made about Kenya, about the production of coffee in Kenya. So the combination of these two things has enabled us to really enable a very flexible way for our customers to filter the information to the most interesting elements and then we provide that with two uh, other steps the first one is to enable the dissemination of this information as emails without even having access to uh, to our system of course if you need to read the whole text you need to click and get into our system but otherwise you don't need to do that and that is a way smaller disruption of our customers workflow than before and the other one is the ability to select The very specific KPIs that you're interested so that you filter even down to ESG or human rights or carbon CO2 emissions so that at the end of the day, a customer could end up receiving an email per day with only 10 texts, which are totally essential to his understanding of what new things have happened in the world and that are relevant to his interests.
0: And Eric, this functionality is what has caught the attention of Amazon now. I, I understand you use a number of their applications, of course, but you have a new partnership with Amazon Web Services that's kind of based on this, right?
2: Over the course of the summer, we developed the new novelty capability and we demonstrated it to AWS and they invited us to participate in the new program called AI for Data Analytics. And that program was announced last week at the reInvent conference as part of their global partner summit. But prior to that, we really had to go through some rigorous technology reviews. We went through what's called a foundational technology review. And as part of that, we had to show that we were capable of scaling, that we were secure, that we were dealing with things like disaster recovery and high availability. And once we passed all of those those metrics and all those proof points, they were able to actually bring us into that program and announce our, our participation amongst, I believe it was less than a dozen vendors that participated in that, with all of those boxes checked.
0: So, Causality Link is uh, partnering with Amazon AWS. That suggests the final question here, Pierre, is which What's next for Causality Link? What are you guys looking at in uh, 2022?
1: Well there is plenty of things we we just started scratching the surface of this extracting and aggregating knowledge of tens of thousands of authors into a single entity i think that we have uh, quite a number of exciting agreements uh, that are brewing. Uh, The Amundi agreement is in itself quite uh, defining for the company because they are not only going to use our technology inside, but they also are going to redistribute it through their Amundi technology arm, which is a a very powerful IT shop that is uh, providing advanced trading systems for all sorts of asset managers across the world. So we are not only starting with a great customer who is willing to speak, but also a distributor of the technology to a smaller asset management companies that we would not have been the ability to serve uh, given our size. We look forward to uh, 2022. Uh, we now have a very solid product that has been selected by a number of very respectable actors in the industry, including AWS. The interesting thing about our domain is that the more you understand text the easier it is to understand what you don't understand and to semi-automatically or fully automatically improve the technology that does this natural language processing. So I think that uh, we are at the beginning of this aggregation of the knowledge of tens of thousands of authors across all these documents. And that will enable us to, again, serve better our future customers, both in terms of aggregation, so that is providing better Ratings on just about everything, not only ESG, but also on focus that is enabling our customers to be told very early on, very rapidly, what are the anomalies or the surprising elements that have been published in uh, over 8,000 newspapers in the world. So we have a feeling that uh, this is really uh, the beginning of a fascinating uh, global journey.
0: Well, that's really great, really interesting, really exciting things going on at Causality Link. So gentlemen, thank you so much for your time today. If you'd like to learn more about Causality Link, you can visit their website at causalitylink.com. And if you'd like to learn more about Forefront, you can visit us at forefrontcoms, that's C-O-M-M-S.com. Thanks again, Pierre. Thanks, Eric. And thanks very much to all of you for listening.
1: Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Michael.